Well, this evening we'll pick up a study that we looked at uh, uh, last Sunday, and hopefully we will conclude with that study tonight. It's in the book of Hebrew, uh, chapter 10. And uh, it was about forsaking or not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And uh, there are different views on this. But I would like to uh, go ahead with that study, continue on that study uh, this evening. So let me read in Hebrew chapter 10. Uh, let's go back to verse 23 and, uh, and read down through maybe 27. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. In other words, this won't be forgiven. Scripture is about won't be forgiven in this world or the world to come or age or the age to come. Uh, that should make us scratch our head. But a certain fearful looking uh, for of judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. So there's a lot of things here. We probably won't even uh, get on all of them. But consider one another to provoke, and this is provoke in a good way, to provoke and to love and good works. Let me just ask you, if we don't assemble, how are we going to do that? Now, there is a, a, a debate that you could have. I won't go into that tonight, but... Are we assembling if we assemble virtually? Uh, so that's an argument, a debate you could have. Uh, I would ask about the Lord's Supper and baptism virtually, but that's, that, is a, that is another discussion. But I'm talking about the assembling right now. But without assembling, I think, how would you provoke someone to love and good works without assembling? Either way, you want to look at assembling. I don't know how you would do that. Uh, but also this, and let me go ahead and mention this, this, as it talks about forsaking the assembling, of course the instruction is not to forsake the assembling, but yet some were forsaking the assembling. And then verse 26 is connected, if we sin willfully. We can't just throw that out and say, well, that doesn't connect. That connects with this also. And there's no more sacrifice for this sin. In other words, it won't be forgiven this age or the age to come. So what does that mean? So we will uh, try to go through this and answer some questions. Uh, this word assembling means meeting, gathering, collect upon the same place. So, I mean, there's no real uh, uh, enlightenment there. It kind of means what we think that it would, would mean. <coughs> and... Uh, the assembling and, and together basically is, is the same word. So this is not teaching 
how to assemble, but to assemble. Uh, forsaking, leave behind. So it says, forsake, or not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So not forsaking this. Don't leave us behind. As we talked about last week, and we will again tonight, <coughs> some were doing this. But not forsaking, again, the assembling of ourselves together. So we got the assembling and together, both of them. This is not talking about how we assemble. It's talking about not to forsake the assembling, period. It's not talking about, there are scriptures, <coughs> if we have time, we may go to it tonight, but there are scriptures that talks about how not to assemble. But this is talking about, in other words, a way that you should not assemble. But this is talking about uh, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves <coughs> together. Uh, so, as we look at this verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. So, as we look at this, this would tell us that some at one time were assembling themselves together, that they were meeting, collecting upon the same place, but they were no longer doing it, as a manner of some is. Some were assembling, but now they were not. They had left behind or forsaking the assembling of themselves together. So the error was not how they assembled. The, I mean, the error was not how they assembled. There was an error, but it was not how they assembled. The error was the fact that some were no longer assembling. They were forsaking the assembling. No longer, they left that behind. And we gave a little example of that. Uh, it, was, it was temporary because the Lord intervened. Well, that's probably not a good way of stating the Lord's in control. But as we would look at it, humanly speaking, the Lord intervened. But Peter, after the Lord was crucified, Peter had been with the Lord for about three and a half years, assembling themselves together. And the Lord was crucified, and Peter said, I'll go, I'll go fishing. And the other disciple says, we'll go with you. So they would have been forsaking the assembling of themselves together. They would, okay, leave all this stuff, forsake it, leave it all behind. We know the Lord went, and, and very interesting how he, he brought them back and so forth. I know of a group, and uh, Betty, you probably will have more knowledge about this than, than I, maybe. But a long time ago, and they were uh, somewhat around this area. And they moved off from here, a group of them, out to, I think, Illinois. I'm not positive. So they were studying, and they were studying about predestination. And they were studying that God was the sovereign. He was in control of all things. 
and they and the, that it was already predestined who would be in the bride, who would not be. And everything was predetermined, predestined. And I don't disagree with that. But you know what they did? Well, why do anything? Why assemble? So they had started a what would appear to be a church, church assembly. So they said, well, why do anything? And they disassembled, and that was the end of it. So what was, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but as you look at that, where, where was the error? Yes, they quit assembling. They forsook the assembly, but where was really the error? What were they, what were they missing? Well, the Lord's in control of all things. He's predetermined if you're being the bride, if you're not. All your rewards, uh, the scripture says, he chose our inheritance for us. What were they missing? Love of the Lord. We know the Lord's sheep, as much as you've done one of these little ones, you've done unto me, he said. So this is what they were missing, and they forsook the assembling of themselves together. So verse 26 here uh, used to bother me a lot. For if we sin willfully... After we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. I mean, that's kind of, that was a scary thing. Well, it should be a, well, anyway, uh, as I viewed it, it was a very scary thing. So it talks of sin. But if we look at verse 25 and verse 26 together, as we should... Verse 26 is not talking about doing something. It's talking about not doing something, isn't it? Don't, don't forsake the assembling of themselves together. So it's saying don't leave that behind. And then verse 26, For if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for sins. In other words, it won't be forgiven in this world or the world to come. So we'll call it the... Sin of omission. Can we, can we use that terminology? We talked, and I didn't realize our study uh, of the rapture was going to be uh, that close to this study on uh, uh, forsaking the assembling, but we talked about the parable of the talents this morning. The one that gave one, one that gave two, one that gave five, and the one, you know, that just had one, well, the one that he gave five, you know, it was multiplied and he had ten. And the one that gave two, it was multiplied and he had four. But he, it, it was, it grew, it increased. But the one that he gave one, he buried it in the earth. I used to think, well, that mixed it with earthly wisdom or earthly knowledge. But that's not what it was. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He had it. He didn't do anything with it. So couldn't we call that sin of omission? Didn't do anything. 
And it, it wasn't a pleasing thing, but he didn't do anything. Kind of sin of omission. One of the prophets said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for my people. Sin of omission. It wasn't that he'd done something, but he says, if I didn't do something, it would be sin. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for my people. So that would be a sin of omission if we can use that terminology. And this goes, I know we studied on this this morning. I want to go here again tonight. The ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25. And again, this, uh, this study, uh, forsaking the assembly, or not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, come up kind of in Bible study. So we thought we would go ahead and, and, uh, and study it some. But also, uh, I believe it's useful to look at it in this not forsaking the assembling of ourselves in the manner of some is. And, and I want to look at this, the parable of ten virgins, in a manner of omission, not doing something. So let me, let me read it again. Uh, Matthew 25, and let's just start in verse 1. And, well, again, we talked about this a good bit this morning. But as we look at this, I want us to focus on what they didn't, what some of them didn't do, the, the foolish, what they didn't do. So we're going to look at this kind of a sin of omission. And let me get ahead of myself a little bit as we study this, as we look at this, those that didn't do this particular thing, was it forgiven them in this world or the world to come? They were not of the bride. I don't know you. So it wasn't forgiven them. They, they, because of this, because of this lack of this, it wasn't forgiven them. He didn't say, whenever they come back, he didn't say, oh, I forgive you, come on in to the bride. He said, I don't know you as the bride. So it was this sin of omission, if we can, again, if you allow me to use that terminology, it wasn't forgiven them, nor the world to come. They were not part of the bride. Because of what? Omission. Now, again, the labor or the work that would label them as ready, as we look at this, is not what made them part of the bride. The Lord chose them, elected them, is what made them part of the bride. But the labor or the work is the manifestation that they were chosen, that they were be in the bride. So as we look at this, we're thinking of omission. Well, could it be wrong not to do something? Well, the prophet said, God forbid that I sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for my people. So here, there was something that was not done. And as we know, it was watching. It was not done. So, okay, uh, Matthew 25 and verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And again, they were all virgins. They were all pure and undefiled from the doctrines of the world. 
But, and five of them were wise and five were foolish. All virgins, but they were wise and they were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And you say, well, they slumbered and slept. They certainly weren't doing anything. Well, this is not, and I was going to go to several scriptures, but I won't on that. We can read scriptures where slumbering and, and sleeping is a negative thing. Well, they weren't doing anything. They were just slumbering and sleeping. This is not a negative thing. What this means is they were at peace. They were at rest. They were all the wise and the foolish. So we can't put slumbering and sleeping as a negative thing because the wise and the foolish both uh, were doing this. It's a sign of, oh, they felt secure in their Lord. Used to, I've told you many times, when I thought of the lake of fire, I, I, I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to think about the Lord. I didn't want to drive past the Arabia church building out of Arabia. I didn't even want to think about it. But now, I feel secure in where I'm going. I can rest and sleep and slumber feeling safely in my Lord. So they all slept and slumbered. It wasn't some of them, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to go to the lake of fire. I can't rest. They all were resting and sleeping. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. And again, this is a parable. As we said this morning, this is a parable. There's a primary teaching of this parable. Then all those, ver all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy uh, for yourselves. So this was something that they couldn't give. And I do not believe that oil represents a comforter. I cannot believe that a true church, someone would want to come in to the church and be where the, the comfort is placed on the day of Pentecost, and the church would deny them. I can't, that just, just doesn't make sense at all, that the, that the bride would do that. Now, if someone wasn't professing and so forth and, and didn't believe, that's different. But one that believed and, and had the truth and believed the truth, I, I can't believe that they would refuse them. So I don't believe that oil uh, is representing of the Holy Spirit or the Comforter, as it is in other places. Verse 10, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready, and we made a point on that this morning, they that were ready, the... Five foolish were not ready. The five wise were ready. Went in with him, and the marriage and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. So there 
lack of readiness was it forgiven them. He didn't say, oh, okay, now come on in, be part of the bride. He didn't forgive them for this. Was it going to be forgetting the age to come? They'll never be part of the bride. So as we look at that, that sin won't be forgiven in this age or the age to come, uh, we would look at this. And, and even verse 26, sinning willfully and so forth, it won't be forgiven. There's no more sacrifice for it. So here, these five foolish who were virgins, but they weren't ready. Now, I hope uh, it's not talking about making themselves ready and, and so forth. They were, again, they were trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But they weren't ready. And, of course, this ready is not my word. This is in the Scriptures. But they weren't ready. And it, Terry, it wasn't forgiven them. He didn't say, come on in. I don't know you as my bride. They were virgins. They were pure and undefiled. But they weren't ready. They weren't doing what it tells us here. So it wasn't forgiven them then. Or the age to come. They'll never be of the bride. Uh, and then verse 13. Verse 13 really tells us what the parable of the virgins, uh, ten virgins, is about. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour which the Son of Man cometh. So he was talking about watching, and we talked about that this morning to a great extent. Watching. Doing... So, so many places, as servants, we watch. We do the labor the servant is to do. That's the watching. Not sitting back and looking up in the sky, but being ready. We uh, quote a scripture, or well, we read it, but we quote a scripture in, in, uh, in Peter. It says, be ready always to give an answer to those that ask of the hope within you. What is the hope within you? What is your hope of salvation? And uh, Debbie, as your dad taught us, that hope is not a maybe hope. It's a desire with expectation to receive that which you desire. Now, I would desire to win a lottery, but I don't have any expectations to. Now, Bill, if I had you work on the inside and you say, okay, I got these ping pong balls weighted and this is going to be the numbers, well, I may have a hope with expectation then. But I don't have... So that's not the hope. This hope, it says, those that ask you are the hope within you. It's a desire with expectation. I desire to have eternal life to be with my Lord. And I fully expect to because of what he's done. So, uh, watching, being ready. So, it, it, it calls for labor. And I know I talk so much against works, and I'm talking about works for salvation. But if you look at the word servant, what else does it mean? Servant, servant of the Lord. Uh, and the surrounding parables teach this as well. Uh, labor, watching, be ready. 
That's what it's teaching. So here, as we look at this, and this parable and the parable surrounding, it's easy to see here a sin of omission. They weren't ready. And you can look at all different things, but you have to say they weren't, the foolish were not ready. You have, I mean, regardless of how you look at it, you have to say they weren't ready. Sin of omission. Wasn't forgiven them here and nor the age to come. They did not continue to do what was required that would be considered ready. And if you want to look at the oil, if you want to try to place something on it, uh, I would look at the oil as readiness and, and watching. Because it very plainly tells us, watch therefore. Five were foolish, five were wise. Five were watching, ready, five were not. Now I know the Lord is in control of who would and who wouldn't. But this is a manifestation of who would be. So their readiness, their watching, and, and as we mentioned this morning, Betty, you can't give me of your watching. Betty uh, has uh, one of our most faithful members, and on Wednesday nights for, uh, for years, just be just a, a handful of us here, and, and Betty was here and everything. And, and this assembling and so forth. But Betty can't give that to me. <laughs> she can't, her, her study and her assembling through the years, she can't give that to me. It can't be laid to my account. Now, I may benefit and certainly do benefit from her study and her fellowship, but she can't give that to me. I can say, Betty, Betty, give me some of that. She can't. I can't give you that. So, some here of these foolish weren't ready, were not watching as a servant would be watching. They had forsaken or left behind that watching or that ready. So again, this labor of readiness, you can't, you can't give it. You can't give it. So... This parable is teaching labor, not for salvation. And again, I will, I will argue against works for salvation. You know that I will. But if we're looking as a servant, that's exactly what they're to do, serving the Lord. That's exactly what, that's what the word means. So this parable is teaching labor. Uh, we can look at uh, labor, assembling, studying the truth, sharing the truth, as we go back to our, our text, baptizing, worshiping, uh, feeding the sheep, praying. All this is part of this and it's work or labor, if you will. That's what the servant would do. 
and say, well, some says this can't be, uh, uh, in the parable of ten virgins, it can't be teaching labor because they were sleeping and slumbering. But again, that's not, that sleeping and slumbering does not indicate that they were lazy or not doing something. That sleeping and slumbering, because all ten of them did it, they, were, they felt security. They felt secure in the Lord. They knew where they were going. Uh, but all ten were virgins. They all had knowledge. They all trusted in the Lord. The only difference, the only difference we see, five was watching and doing the things that would be required to cause them to be labeled as ready and watching. They weren't ready and watching. That's the only difference. It's not doctrine. It's not doctrine. I used to think it was, but it's not doctrine. They were all virgins. And again, were they forgiven? Doesn't mean they're going to the lake of fire. But it did mean, I don't know you as my bride. And they never will in the age to come. Never will. So, labor. Again, I will fight against works for salvation and labor salvation. You know that I do and I will. And by God's grace, I will continue to do that. It's not by works. It's by grace. But yet, as servants, I mean, doesn't, doesn't it go without saying it? Servants is serving the Lord is doing a work. Another parable uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 20. I don't know if we've ever looked at this. I think we probably have. It's been a long time. But there's some uh, different views on this. This is talking about uh, labors and so forth. And, and some people uh, view this, well, that everybody gets the same reward. Among these laborers, everybody gets the same reward. But they were all working. They were all laboring. Now, if one had been sitting over a shade tree and not done anything all day, there was no reward for that. So let's read this uh, in kind of in light of what we're looking at as far as if you think laboring and working is a bad word. Again, I'm not talking about the salvation. I'm talking about a service for our Lord. Now, well, let's read it and then we'll discuss it a little bit. Uh, let's just start in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man that is a householder uh, who went out early in the morning to hire laborers in his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. And they went their way. And he went out about the sixth hour, and the ninth hour did the same. 
And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. He saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatever is right, that shall ye receive. So when the evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give unto them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a denarius. Well, that's what he gave the other ones, wasn't it? But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a denarius. And when they that had received it, and when they had received it, they murmured against the householder, saying, These last have worked but one hour, and thou hast made them equal to us, who have borne the burden in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Dost thou not thou agree with me for a denarius? Take what is thine and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first last, for many are called but few are chosen. So I know some look at this, everybody, every human being is going to receive the same reward. But again, in this parable, we talked about what is the parable we talked about this morning. But in this parable, they all labored. Some maybe the last hour, maybe some in the heat of the day, but they all labored. It doesn't say, well, these sitting under the, under the shade tree all day, go give them a Daenerys too. It doesn't say that. There's no reward for them. These, now, it is the same reward for all these that labored. And I can look at this in two ways. We look at the first disciples and apostles. How they were persecuted Boy, certainly the heat of the day. Here we are in the 11th hour, but we've got it made, don't we? Most they'll do is, is talk about you. And they do. If you say much at all, they'll talk about you. You may not know it, but they'll talk about you behind the back. I look at it another way. There are people that the Lord opens their eyes early in life and they go through their life serving the Lord and there may be some maybe shortly before death he opens their eyes and they're serving and believing and trusting in the Lord is it not fair for him to give both the reward that he promised them I can see one that labored their whole life, and not, not laboring for salvation, but laboring as a servant of the Lord. And him, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Be of the bride. But one in the last hour. I can see the same thing, and I can see it, I don't consider it unfair. 
He also opens their eyes at a certain time. And they, believe, they can believe just as much. Now, maybe they didn't have as long a period of time, but they can believe just as much, just as strong. And be, yeah, be part of that bride. And I don't see anything unjust about that at all. So, but to look at this here as every human being gets the same reward, this doesn't teach that. These all did labor. Uh, and again, if you don't, I, get, I know I talk against works almost all the time. It's not of works, it's of grace. I'm talking about our salvation. But as we look at this, and Peter, be ready always to give an answer to those that ask you the reason to hope within you. Assemble yourselves together. Praying, studying, trading the talents that the Lord gives us one with another. I remember a dear sister, no longer with us here, and uh, she says, and we're studying along his lines. And she says, you know, I'm old and I don't want to work. And I said, and I'm so glad that she said that because it was a good, it's good teaching for me. I'm old, I don't want to work. And I said, do you like assembling together? Well, you know I love coming to church. Do you like studying the Bible at home? Well, you know I do. I love studying the Bible. We go to Bible conferences and all these things. And I mentioned some other things. And I said, so that's, that's the work. Well, I don't consider that work. I don't consider that burdening. I said, and exactly, because it's done out of love. So it's not, if, if I feel that studying is the burden, if I feel that assembling with my brothers and sisters in Christ, which I can't think of any greater joy on earth. But if I feel that assembling with my brothers and sisters in Christ is a burden, then there's something out of balance with me at that time, isn't there? So we've looked at these scriptures as servants and so forth. And that's what, that's what servants do. But we serve the Lord out of love what he's done for us, and so forth. So, uh, Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts chapter 2. And... Uh, Well, for time's sake, maybe I just better read verse 42. But you could read, if you have time this evening, you can read more about that. But verse 42, uh, well, let's read 41 and 42, but I'd like to read more. Uh, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship 
and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Is this not assembling themselves together? Not just doctrine, but in fellowship. Did they believe in the assembling of themselves together here? Certainly they did. Uh, and again, well, I don't, I'd like to read all this. Let's just read 47. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Uh, these people believe in assembly, and they loved assembling themselves together. In fact, they uh, sold their possessions and everything. We're not getting into that right now. But, so as I look at, at uh, Hebrew, our, our text For not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. If we don't assemble, and again, right now, I'm not debating on, on if we assemble virtually, if we assemble in person. I have feelings about that, strong feelings, but I'm not talking about that. But either way, if we don't assemble, how are we going to exhort one another? So, am I trying to say you can't miss, miss church services any? I'm not saying that at all. It's saying don't do as some do because they no longer see the need to assemble. Uh, I had someone ask me today, of an example of, because we looked at some other parables this morning, but the parable of burying it in the earth and not doing anything. And they said, well, can you give me an example? <clears throat> and I don't like to use names, and I, and I won't use names. But I know of some that the Lord gave them a talent. And I know that they were secure. I know that they knew that they were saved. And I know they were knew they were going to glory. But things happened, and then they did nothing with it. They didn't share it. They didn't uh, uh, put it to use that they and others would grow with it. Uh, so I, I, I see that, and I can think of certain individuals in multiple uh, congregations, but I'll just leave it uh, at that. Uh, So, some say we can't teach you are to assemble together because you don't have a number of times set forth by God. You can't teach you are to assemble together because God doesn't give you a number how many times, so you can't teach we are to assemble together. Well, what about the Lord's Supper? doesn't tell us how many times we're to do it, so do we not do it? What about prayer? doesn't tell us how many times to pray, so can we say, well, no, you don't, you don't need to pray, because I can't tell you how many times? Uh, actually, I can... The scripture does tell us about prayer. 
It says, pray without ceasing. That's what it says about prayer. Now, does that mean I can't stop long enough to eat? I sure hope it doesn't mean that. But pray without ceasing. And even in the Lord's example prayer, doesn't it say, give us this day our daily bread? Then tomorrow, wouldn't we pray that again? We wouldn't pray, well, Lord, give me my daily bread for the rest of my life, and then that's it, no more praying. The Scripture says pray without ceasing. So that's, if you want, if you want how often to pray, then there it is. Pray without ceasing. If you're looking for a number to go along with assembling, I think it's the same answer. Assemble without ceasing. Doesn't mean you can't miss some. But it means don't stop. Don't stop. Don't forsake the assembling. Don't leave that behind. Assembling of ourselves together. Uh, one time, this conversation, Lord, I've forgotten, this conversation went way back. And about this assembling ourselves together. And uh, there's this discussion, and some of these things come up. Well, you can't talk about, you can't tell us to assemble together because it doesn't tell you how many times. And this discussion, it was a friendly discussion. There was no black eyes or anything, but there were some disagreements. And I'll never forget this. Dolores, I'm sure you was there. It was all gathered around. Raymond, Raymond Willis was there. And so we're talking about assembling, and, and I'd brought up this praying without ceasing and so forth. And again, most didn't believe this. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Most of these people in this uh, group didn't believe that. And one of them said, well, it doesn't give a number, then we should meet every night of the week. And little meek Raymond Willis says, I wouldn't disagree with that. Why would he say that? Because love for the Lord. That's why he said that. So, I believe the scripture. And again, if we can have another debate on is it virtual or is it together. But I know, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together in a manner some is. I know some has. And in the scriptures, some did. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.